1: So, so, Johnny May's very concerned about the political situation in North Korea.
2: I think he's only, he's only right to be. Yeah. I
1: think it's terrible. No. <laughs> well, you can join him, because he... Shot, they shot a general
2: by tying him to a cannon. You can't. That, that's terrible.
1: Johnny May's been talking to Ben Teo about this, about his concerns. Yeah. And he's persuading him. and they're summer off. They're going to go there and, and, um, and, and free the nation. They're going to liberate North Korea. It's the
2: only country where Ben Teo hasn't played as well.
1: LAUGHTER Hello and welcome to week two of The Ruck, the new Six Nations rugby podcast brought to you from the Times and Sunday Times that we intend to bring to you with the spine-tingling drama of an Owen Farrell collision with Louis Pickermoles, with the heady excitement of a Scotland who just can't believe they're going to win on day one of the Championship, and, we hope, with slightly more assurance than Angus Gardner, the Australian referee. I'm Owen Slot the Times' Chief Rugby Correspondent, I'm joined by Stephen Jones, Sunday Times Rugby Correspondent. Morning, Steve. Morning, morning. That uh, intro's a bit over the top, but carry on. It? Yeah, it's yeah, I thought it was. it was quite a smart little start, actually, oh, no, no, but thanks okay. for your support. No, it's all right. Um, and uh, Alex Lowe, the Times Rugby Correspondent. Good morning. Alex is brought to us today, sponsored by Southern Rail. Um, that's why if you're getting this uh, podcast, you might have got it about 15 minutes late. Well done for getting here. Thank you. Uh, and you're fit this week.
3: Yes, my five-a-side teammates might disagree but yeah, fully
1: fit, thank you Ankle better? Yeah Right, so if uh, Johnny Sexton could show the kind of bounce-back ability of you then maybe Ireland could win a game What a weekend, what a start that was, um, that was as good as anyone would have hoped for I, I would have thought, I went away feeling, from Twickenham feeling pretty thrilled by the whole affair I, I didn't think the Wales game was that bad either um, Steve, what were you, sort of uh, opening impressions? Oh, brilliant! I mean, it's, it's lovely
2: when you, you spend all the time looking forward to the Six Nations and actually it delivers. Sometimes it doesn't. You know, sometimes out of every three games, you might get one decent one. Well, I just thought we got two and a half excellent games. I thought Scotland and Ireland was was a tremendous game. The the sustained pace of it and the drama and no one knew who was going to win till the very end, etc. That 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 was marvellous. And for Scotland to win their first game. I, I just think that kind of restored the, the balance of the, of the Six Nations. It, it's a kind of um, six-legged stool, and if one of the legs is not working, it kind of totters. I thought that was marvellous. England-France, um, again, I, I just thought it was much better than some people thought. Um, and uh, wales Italy second half was okay, but I thought that was palpably the slowest and the and the least technically accomplished of the
1: three. I think sometimes we sit there stroking our chins a bit too much, like Kiwi spectators, sort of uh, uh, adjudicating on, on the sort of the high quality of the rugby that we see. But for me, the, the, the mark of certainly the first two games was was uh, sometimes the rugby was of a high quality. But what it was was consistently dramatic, and and the contests were were, were on a knife edge for, for for in both games right to the end.
3: Yeah, you're right, and and the um, the the, the storyline uh, or the narrative up at, at Murrayfield was was compelling the whole way through and and at Twickenham you had England not starting brilliantly for the second game in a row but the way that they they dug in and, and found a way to win is almost becoming the story of for me the story of of the evolution of this England team that they are in a position with leaders on the field who can make decisions and and change the way change the course of matches where previous England teams have had to look to the stands for that direction so there have been and certainly in those two games, um, some compelling narratives, some magnificent performances, some incredible intensity um, and, and some, some real attacking intent, which has set the tournament up brilliantly. I, yeah.
2: Th- I, th- I thought, um, yeah, you're right. I think there were two things about England's victory. First of all, I used to hate it in the Lancaster era when they lose these big games and they come up and say, well, actually, we're on our way. We can go back and work on it. We've got some work-ons. You know, we almost scored and we've, that could have been different. Doesn't matter doesn't matter how brilliant you play. And actually, it doesn't matter how badly you play if you win. You win the game, the run continues, the pressure's off, onwards to the, onwards to the next one. The only slight converse side of that is, in the first 60, when France were going really well, you thought, God, Vahamina, Maestri, you guys, are you still going to be there at the end? Because, my God, you know, they made me look like Olga Colbert, some of them. And do you remember Olga Colbert, Louis? No. Oh, explain, God. explain. <laughs> Olga Colbert was a magnificent uh, Olympic athlete and the darling of the Olympics. Very, very small, uh, fit and charismatic, unlike Vahamina and Maestri, who were none of those things. But they did not last the course. And it just just reminds you, you know one of the bad things about players going over to France to play in their club rugby is they come back looking like the elephant man in body, not head.
1: Well, that's what's, And um,
2: those guys didn't last the course. But apart from
1: that, sorry, I mean, apart from that, really a win of real merit. That's what I thought was interesting, man of the match, Louis Pickermals. And, and Eddie Jones said that in the week, didn't he? He, he said... Picker Moles will have come here and he'll have been 50%, 15% fitter Now where Eddie Jones gets his numbers on fitness from Is, is a standing joke uh, Amongst anyone who, who, who's heard his uh, his Stats barrage but, but Picker Moles comes here and, and he, he Was the standout player on the pitch wasn't he And and quite probably if he hadn't spent The last five months in uh, in Northampton He wouldn't have been
3: Yes he was and in fact there's an argument for who He could easily have been the standout player of the whole weekend actually um, Stuart Hogg was brilliant for Scotland I thought one of the, the things that really struck me watching Lou Picamol on Saturday was how he drove France with him in, in that first hour he carried them on his shoulders and England missed that heavy duty ball carry. they missed Billy Vunipola who does the same for them Nathan Hughes has done that for Wasps but he just didn't see. he carried a lot but he just didn't seem to take England with him in the way that Billy can and that I, I thought that's what what England were missing in that hour which which Pickleball really gave to France
1: yeah, Steve you don't rate the Wunderputters do you? <laughs> <laughs> I don't
2: you know it's the only debate about those two is which is going to be the greater player because Mako was always in terms of the ability a little bit far behind my god Mako has been magnificent this season not only is he scrummaging better he's been all over the field he's been I mean when he played for uh, Saracens in Toulon in the away leg, he was absolutely indescribably good. So you know, as uh, without those two, it, it's another another reason to to applaud the England victory. Mm. The, um,
3: Eddie Jones said uh, yesterday that, that Mako is on course to play for England in this tournament, which is big news for them because you look, we often look down at the All Blacks and Dane Coles and, and the skills of the front row that that the All Black forwards have. As you said, that game in Toulon and a lot of the games that the Tarotons have played, Macaveni has every every ounce of skill that those those All Blacks have.
1: Okay. Um, right. Listen. Uh, just to, to 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 charge through the weekend, should we um, should we each, um, go through so, so one or two highlights of uh, of what we saw or or, or or our rugby weeks, if you like. So um, I, I'll kick us off. Uh, um, already mentioned it. Really, the the, the, um, the thing that the the just the image that sticks in my mind from the England France game is that moment when um Owen Farrell stood up to that in that tackle to uh, to to Louis Pickham was it only about thirty seconds earlier that um, that uh, Spedding had sort of uh, mowed over Owen Farrell, which is not the sort of thing that, um, that that brings a smile to his face. And I just thought that that was wonderful. You 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 just thought you thought that is a that is a player I'm going to see on the deck in a minute, and he's not going to get up. But but he just clung to him, held him up. I thought that was absolutely wonderful, shuddering moment. That
3: was I had that at the top of my, my list as well, actually. Oh, oh, sorry about that. <laughs> well, great minds. I, I just think um, it, it just epitomises. We have spoken about that kind of determination and dog and fight that England had, and, and I think Owen epitomises that, and that moment summed it all up, that he, he stood up to their biggest ball carrier and literally stopped him in his tracks, got support around him, and England won the turnover from it, and it was a massive collision and a massive moment. Mm. Um, but there were plenty of others. I thought the... Um, the Alex Dunbar try.
4: That's lovely, the, isn't it? The
3: Scotland score, where he, he, the centre popped up in the middle of the line out. They used the the Irish line out defence, which was, which is quite an important thing to do because the line out leader is there to spot all those small details. And he ov- obviously, they didn't see it they chucked it in there and it was a, it was a smart little try
2: uh, that was the most bizarre thing I've ever seen because it, when, when you realise that's the opposition they're all backs there why wouldn't you put your jumpers up because you're going to win the ball it was absolutely bizarre my, my favourite memory was uh, is off the field let me, let me have a personal moment because on Friday I went to interview and spend time with Keith Jarrett my all time um, uh, favourite player the most talented player I've ever seen the fastest, the longest goal kicker I've ever seen that was wonderful because he's had uh, three strokes in his twenties, and uh, as he said when I came in, he said, oh, "I can't believe I'm still here," and which was, re- you know, he's just a great, great guy. I really like speaking to him. The other thing was a complete disaster because at, um, just after half time in the Super Bowl, I thought this is all done and dusted, and went to bed. <laughs> and uh, when I got up, I thought, "Why is the other quarterback up there with the trophy?" So that was a, that was a shambles. Uh, r- Rugby wise. Um, One one well-refereed game, the first one, second and third, all for refereeing of the scrum by both officials. You mentioned the Australian. Didn't have a clue. He kept on giving indirect uh, 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 short-term penalties because he didn't know what the heck was happening, which was frightening. Mm-hmm.
1: I've got one more uh, uh, the, My car journey from home to Pennyhill Park is the perfect time for a Desert Island Disc download I uh, uh, listened to uh, Nigel Owens yesterday Have you heard that Steve? Yes I have Yeah. Oh, I mean quite a lot of, it, of what he said uh, we've probably all heard before in, in interviews or what have you but, but I just found that I found it a lovely listen and a very emotional listen and he, he talks so well He's, he obviously has a lovely lyrical voice And um, not only did he talk talk about the the, the challenges he faced uh, um, uh, coming to terms uh, with his sexual orientation and and his suicide attempt, um, uh, I I also loved uh, him talking about his, his life in Wales growing up in Wales and, and the village community and I was just giggling to myself when he was talking about how his dad whether his dad could drive him to his first major game as a ref because he'd never driven more than two miles out of the village and never been on a dual carriageway before I, mean, I just thought, thought that was lovely
3: Yeah, and that is, his story he's, he's a brave man who's told his story a lot and, and you know, I think what you have to remember is every time he tells it it's a painful experience for him it's a compelling and emotional listen but he does it because he's he's willing to do that. Because if he can help with one person, then then he feels it's worthwhile, and it's a it's a, a very moving and and entertaining listen at the same time.
2: I, I, I know. I'm just slightly going off Six Nations, though, that's a great memory, and, and and I loved it as well. But what so slightly concerns me is, and again, this is not on the Six Nations, but uh, Nigel Owens and Gareth Thomas came out very pu- publicly, um, followed by Sam Stanley, and uh, 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 as you know, revealing their or- orientation thought they were warmly received in the game very very surprised that not more people haven't because you know no one appeared to have a problem with it and um you suspect there some people are still hanging on and probably being self-tortured by by knowledge so let's hope more people do because i think rugby's a really a sport that's really um um, warm to every sort of orientation in any in any field of life
1: Mm. that's that's certainly one thing that nigel said wasn't it That, that that when he did Confront it publicly. The, the the warmth with which it, it was accepted it didn't seem to be challenged at all. Or, um,
2: I hate people who are late, but I don't mind anything anything else. Honestly. <laughs>
1: As a, w- a way of going through the games, let, let, let's go, let, nominate collectively a, a team of the week. Who we thought the superstars were, our, our top fifteen from the first weekend of the uh, of the Six Nations. Um, uh, I, I'd suggest we we'll, go, go go from fifteen down. I, I'll start us off with. I don't know. It's probably won't have much of an argument here. Uh, yes, if we if will. Stick the oh, go on then. I'm going to stick my neck out with Stuart Hogg and and, and at fifteen. And Alex is going to agree with me, and Stephen. No, I'm not.
2: Well, I mean, I, I, no. no. Not, not downgrading his performance at all He's an absolutely superb attacking player But Rob Carney the man for me I just think that uh, Having been on 117 lines tours We all know that the All Blacks Are going to kick every ball up in the air And they're going to try and nail the guy who's underneath it And I think Carney Who's a big guy Is more suited to that I'm not saying that it makes him a brilliant player in the Six Nations But I just thought Carney was excellent And physical And looked like he was back on his
1: game I actually thought you were going to challenge with Scott Spedding. In fact, because I thought he was quite tasty as well. Spedding
3: was, but I agree with it. Rob Carney was immense. And, and actually, his his game this season, he was incredible against the All Blacks in Chicago. Yeah, and it's almost like he's taken his his game on another level. Yeah,
2: I don't think we're not going to beat um, New Zealand by brilliant one-off attacking rugby from deep.
1: I don't think. But there, we, there we go. Do you, do you want to go next, Alex? Fourteen. Uh,
3: well, <laughs> fourteen. I think I've picked two left wings actually, okay, but. Oh. Um, on on the wings, I, I had uh, Vakatawa from France and Elliot Daly, who, if you're talking a Lion squad context, is just the are the perfect tourist in, in in my view. Someone who can who can cover three positions with great certainty, kicks long goals, has magnificent pace, intelligence, good hands. I thought he had a really good game for England.
1: I, I'm almost with you. I have got Daly, and, and um, I just think you got the wrong name of the the Fergie. You just spelled it wrong. I went, went with. Nakotaki, Vakatara um, thought it was good, but but he but they they were kicking behind him the whole time. Mm. He seemed, seemed to sort of uh, lose his position defensively. The, the, uh, I I think he got the correct
2: Fijian. I, I Nakotaki, I like him more and more. Um, and also, unlike the other guy, he, he plays fifteen quite often. The other guy doesn't. Elliot Daly, I'm almost kind of refused to choose him because when you got a guy who's a brilliant distributor, uh, uh, can make breaks, he's a great kicker. At goal and out of hand, and he's got all that. You think, well, why on earth is he on the wing? And I have to say that Eddie's very loyal to his to his subjects and the guys he picks every week. There must come a time when. Um, you're looking at Elliot Daly and Jonathan Joseph, good player though he is, and saying who should be the outside centre, not who should be on the wing. I so thought it was
3: interesting I, when, sorry, when they did make a change, that it was Joseph who went off, yeah. and Daly who went to 13.
2: Yeah, I, I, I think that was, but I'd, I'd stick, with, stick with Daly, because you have to have him somewhere, and God, he just contributed in every area.
1: Can we not put Daly at 13? I, I, looking, looking at my team for the weekend, the 13 I thought was um, one of the hardest spots to fill, there was no one sort of jumped out of me. Yeah. I, I, I went. I'd be happy with that. <coughs> um, i went with alex uh, with dunbar um largely because of it, that entertaining try that we talked about but i didn't think anyone really stood out in that position i, I thought dunbar an excellent game
2: actually but um no i, I thought um in terms of center play at, at, at long last scott williams played really well for wales at yeah 12. i
0: liked
1: him yeah
2: um but but again um you know jonathan davis question mark about his form um so let's uh, let's not go into that but um uh, inside centre for me was Scott Williams and outside centre probably if he, we could go daily but it's a bit odd because he didn't play there so you might go somewhere, somewhere like Ringrose who wasn't perfect but played well I thought
1: John do, do, uh, do, do the halfbacks Alex yeah well, I'd, I'd have
3: Owen Farrell at 12 just um, right because I thought he was very good for England and I think Finn Russell probably at, at fly half for me um, Sam Davis made an impact for Wales coming on second half but uh, I thought I thought Finn Russell of, of all the tens on show was, was probably the probably the, the standout. Um, and a scrum half Baptiste Sarah f- for me or or Greg Laidlaw, <laughs> but probably Sarah cause I felt that one of the big mistakes France made was taking him off. Things seemed to go wrong for them when he went off.
1: Yeah, oh, I've I've gone all, all French in my uh, in my half back, so I, I agree with you, taking him off was wrong. Uh, I thought Lopez was um uh, Best international game I've seen from him. I thought he he, he obviously kicked well, which was, which was a question mark. And I thought thought he commanded better than previously. I thought I thought he was terrific. I, I,
2: I you know Lopez. I've never rated the bloke. It was the best game I've ever seen him have. But they always used to start him instead of Brock James at uh, at Claremont, and that was always so wrong. But it was his best game. But I just like Finn Russell. He's got this sort of, you know, after the game when he's a bit G'd up, he sort of comes across like a sort of Glasgow hooligan. I'm not saying he is one, but he comes across as stroppy. He's up there with bandage on his head, which may or may not be covering an injury. I absolutely love love the guy. There's been so many um, uh, Scotland fly halves you'd always like to introduce to your grandmother. But with mm-hmm. him, you'd be a bit worried if you took took him round. S- uh, scrum half, Eduardo Gori. I think that the bloke for the bloke to play so well for Italy in such a rather poor team just spoke volumes for him so I'm just going to put a wording for an Italian there
3: Every week there's the only Lions undercurrent to the Six Nations on, on Steve, on Greg Laidlaw there's a lot of scrum halves mentioned um, Connor Murray and Ben Youngs and who should go, Reese Webb what about Laidlaw?
2: It, that's a very good question because again, I think Greg who I love and he's a very much revered at Gloucester I don't think he's actually that rapid in getting the ball away um I, but i just thought he played really well on saturday again the best game i have seen for ages certainly in contention but i think um there are goal kickers on the lines too so i think you've got to judge him as if you know take away his goal kick and say is he or is he good enough for a nine certainly stated a case um i don't think it's anything i don't think he's, he's it's decisive yet but a couple more like that he should he should be there
1: i i, I don't think he should be on the on the plane if you're taking three nines i, I wouldn't put him above Murray and Youngs and Reese Webb. I think. I think. Uh, so Gloucester didn't fight to keep him this uh, next season. He's going to Claremont. They didn't struggle. To, they didn't scrap to keep him because they've got a, a couple of uh, good nines coming through. Uh, Greg Laidlaw's box kicking isn't. The, the, they're going to want a box kick against uh, against the All Blacks, and he, and he can't put it uh, on the sixpence. And um, as you say, his, his distribution doesn't, doesn't match the others. So um, for, for me, he's um, he's he's not a contender in that respect. But it um, was it was brilliant and spirited, and he led that Scotland side fantastically. So
3: which is which is I think is one of the qualities that might make him catch the eye of Warren Gatland because in forging a squad,
1: you think he likes m- character and resilience
3: and yeah, midweek <laughs> midweek teams and, and I don't know. I just I think he's got a. I don't think he'll go. But I think he's got a, a probably a stronger argument than a lot of people seem to to give him.
2: I've oh, got a big question mark against Ben Youngs in those three as well. But let's, let's carry on. Let's okay. Carry on. Uh,
1: my, my my front row is I've got some uh, two Irish props, McGrath and and. and Furlong and uh, um, the French captain Gerardo in, in between them. Uh, again, I thought Hooker was was not a position where we go that someone really stood out and grabbed it. But I thought Gerardo was the was the best of the lot. Uh, tight header. Um, thought I thought Furlong was was good, at, um, but but again, not a lot of competition. The, when um, uh, when Wales changed their front row, then it got a lot better, didn't it? The Welsh front row at the starting was was appalling. Mm. I picked
3: the same three: uh, Jack McGrath, who I think is. Um I had a really big game. Tag Furlong has had an incredible season, and you're right about the hooker. There weren't any, for me, any, uh, any outstanding candidates. Girardo would would get my, my call there. I thought Zander Fagerson. So Darland scrum was on top, and Zander and struggled early, but he's um, he's a young prop with real, real promise. I think. Well, I'll start with him because
2: I'm going to leave out Furlong. I, I admire him. In fact, I love him to bits. I'm sure he'll be the Lions' tight head just the sort of players coming through and you, you, you look at uh, McGrath and Furlong their involvement in that game and then you compare it with the two Welsh props who started what well, you didn't see them at all Wales look way off the pace there but I think Fageson, um, the youngest bloke in any in any team in this tournament battered in the first few scrums stayed on till the end and I thought that guy rose massively in my opinion mm. I think in a year's time Alex uh, he, he's going to be way up there. So Jack McGrath, I love as well. Girardo, I think is fantastic. How patient he was with the referee. <laughs> um, but I, I think this or Big Xander, you know, I think he, I think Scotland have got
1: one there. Mm. I think, I think that was one day to speak the different language to the referee, wasn't it? Twicking him on Saturday.
2: Well, uh, yeah, it was talking
1: a different language to them. Or well, mm. uh, there's there's some some humour in there
2: somewhere, anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, yeah, we all, we all know that referees they, they they must be able to speak the language of all the teams who are playing in the game. Otherwise, it's gross. Unfair,
1: mm. Steve. Who are
2: your locks? Locks, um, many candidates. Actually, I actually thought Courtney Laws, who's not played as well as he can, stood up pretty well um, with 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 Cruz not there. Devon Toner I'm slightly warming to after never rating him. Slightly, wa- slightly wa- warming to him. But listen, I'm going to be a big Scotch soft Scottish softer here and have both greys.
4: to find out if it's right for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. right at home. Go to com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
2: I thought Johnny Gray keeps on having great stats, which is fine. Richie Gray keeps on appearing in games, which is also fine. So I'm going to be a big soft Scot and uh, have the two Greys.
3: Yeah, me too. That's all. I've got them both. I thought, really? um, I, thought I mean, Johnny Gray, 27, 28 tackles. Um, and Richie Gray, who is less consistent than his brother, or, or, or seems to make uh, less consistent impacts on, in a game than his brother, he comes out in and out of games. I thought when Toulouse lost at Wasps the other week, he was in and out too much. And um, but I thought they were both they were both excellent. I thought Courtney Laws stood up to try to take on some of the ball carrying the England miss and tried to play a bit of a leadership role there. He's lost the lineup calling. But um, no, I go with I'd go with the two Yeah,
1: I thought I was controversial by not having Alan win in my team, but uh, but you you both ignored him completely. Um, the, the I had Johnny Gray and I just wanted I wanted someone else. Uh, I've got, I've got Pickhamald, as everyone will. I wanted someone else from the French pack because so, somehow the French pack were, were just phenomenal for a, for an hour anyway. So I got some Var uh, Varha Mahina in there, um, just with an asterisk. He's got to come off after fifty five minutes when he needs a cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> right, back rows. Oh, uh, Sam Warburton. Mm. At six, they had a,
3: re- a good game. Oh, I've got Sam in there. Yeah. I'm going to refuse to play. <laughs> I'm, I'm going <gonna laughs> re- to
2: refuse to play Sam at six. Sam is a seven. Sam is a great seven, and it, he deserved the right to, to, to lose his job at seven out on the field in the Six Nations. Not, to, not for Wales to play this, this tipperick trick on themselves. I think Sam's a great player, and I will refuse to have him at six. If you don't, won't let me have him at seven. I'm not going to have him at six because I don't think six should
1: be anywhere near his back. Do, do you not know think he did a job at six that was um, that was similar, very similar to what Robshaw was doing for the the whole of the last year with England? Apart from he carried better and more than Robshaw.
2: Well, he's better player for a start, but I mean, the, 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 but no, I mean, I'm, I'm. Look, let me put it this way: the Welsh back row against England. If everybody's fit, should be Moriarty six, Falatto eight, who's miss, been missed cruelly, and
1: Sam uh, Sam Warburton seven. As simple as that. Full stop. Jeez. I, well, I, on the sevens, I've got Tipperick at seven. I thought he was. I, I thought he, he covered every blade. I thought he was. He was the link man for for every move when it when it went well. Uh, he he turned over a bit of ball. I, I I thought that he was he was a player that people have talked about. That given the chance came and, came came and delivered.
3: Oh, go
2: on! I changed my mind then.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I thought Hamish Watson had a good game. Left yeah, yeah. for Scotland and, and Kevin Gordon, if that's how you pronounce it,
1: mm. uh, for France. He's picking up a lot of friends, Gordon, isn't he? Yeah, he mm. certainly enough for those who yeah. can't can't pronounce his name.
3: Mm. Yes, yeah. mm. Stuart Barnes and Ben Kay both big big fans of his, um, and he he was influential. Involved in their try, hang on. Then, oh. so
2: Barnsley's a big fan of his, yeah. We might have, <laughs> re- <laughs> might have to have a rethink, he's there. not allowed this rethink, team then rethink
1: there, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, all right. Uh, and um, did, who, who, you've you got Sam as seven, haven't you? Sam seven, all right. And and uh, presumably, we all have pick em as our eights. Okay. I i just think that uh, Parise has got to have a
2: mention in dispatches, low pick would be mine, yeah.
1: Saturday morning, we we all woke up to the, to the great excitement of, of a world exclusive on the Times uh, front page of the Times Sport, but by um, uh, a certain Alex Low, George Ford to move to to Leicester and. Um, Freddie Burns going the other way to Bath. I thought that was a brilliant story, and uh, do, uh, do, you, this is something that football talk about a bit. When, when you, there's a big story of a player on the day of a game or something, does it make it? Does it make an effect? Or does it impact? Or do, do you think? Do you think that had any impact on George Ford's sort of okay performance on 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 Saturday?
3: Well, if it did, then he shouldn't have been starting his England fly half. I mean, he it wouldn't have been news to him that he's moving to Leicester and the fact that it's
1: it's been an ongoing saga for. But he does hate it being talked about publicly, as, as both you and I well know, Alex. He, do, he does hate it. He um,
3: he had a release clause that was activated in the middle of the November internationals, and then it looks like he's uh, going to complete this move to Leicester.
1: It's the right move, Steve. Do you think? If you if you if you were if you were George, were you, well, actually, I said he should stay at Bath, but obviously, he's not going to do that.
2: I do, look I, I, you might think this is an old school view all the people I revere in club rugby there's a bloke called David Waters who played something like 740 times for Newport and I international sites I, I don't think club rugby should ever get into the stage of uh, the football thing where hang on we better we better move now because the agent hasn't earned any money from him for two I mean not saying that's why George Ford moved but that's why footballers move I'm I, real fan of, of George, and, and, and Mike as well, I thought, did an underrated job. But I don't like uh, people moving around like that. If George thought that tactically or technically there was something there that wasn't for him, that's one thing. But I don't buy the family thing. It's easy for me to say. Uh, I'm really disappointed he's going, but I still wish him well and uh, wish Leicester well. Because in terms of signings, it's the first good signing they made at Fly Half since about
3: 1833. <laughs> the, his father leaving has obviously affected him quite quite deeply because uh, there was a very strong argument, as you wrote, um, for him to stay at Bath because the coaching there is very good.
1: They're a team; so so, it's got everything around him to, yeah. to become the player he should he wants to become. But
3: um, I think on the on the the money side of things, there there were much bigger offers on the table at other clubs. Um not he, only Sale, I mean Sale were so he could have earned two hundred
1: grand more a year at Sale. Yeah,
3: and and I believe other clubs as well. I mean Northampton were in for him, Gloucester were in for him, all clubs who are gonna spend money Gloucester are already spending big money on, on unproven players, so they'd have spent big, big money on on George Ford. So he's not gone for money.
1: Northampton North can't sign a 10, like, they're trying for months now, haven't they? Yeah. You know? They can't get anyone to go there.
2: The thing is with, with Ford as well, you know, it, it, say he stayed at Bath, and, and look, I'm sorry, I'm not knocking the guy at all, but blood's thicker than water. Say he stayed at Bath, he'd be going into a team that by next year will be pretty well set and know what they're doing. When he's at Leicester, he cannot just sit there and wait for things to happen. He himself, personally, has to has to dictate the new, the new style, the new tempo, and the new team. So there is, there's no hiding place. From game one, he's going to have to lead Leicester around the field by the nose. It's a big job.
3: I think there's a feeling that he, he's also looking forward to going back to playing alongside Ben Youngs every week. I think they feel they're, they're good friends off the field. I think they feel they get the best out of each other on it too so actually that style they could dictate together if you think
1: if you think you're going to get presumably get a presumably gonna fit Matt Tamu playing at 12 outside then <coughs> that's that's quite tasty isn't it
2: that, that, that is true I'm sorry I don't buy the friends thing a, a, a lot either oh, I mean positionally maybe Look, if, if if you only sat with your friends, none of us would be here. <laughs>
3: no, I'm not saying he's gone because but... <laughs> they're friends, but it was an aside. On the field, they feel they get the best out of each yeah, other, sure. which is a factor in, in him choosing Leicester oh, oh, over oh, okay.
1: OK, OK, OK. Um, other news. is It's kind of hard to, to bring Six Nations team news because people will listen to this after the team's been announced, but well, I think we can go with... Um, Jack Noble's latest Lego creation, which he which he <laughs> revealed yesterday, he's he's um doing a new boat boat project, which has a nice helicopter at the front and can convert into a deep sea digger. Mm. So that's major. I got one of those Have you. Yeah. How long does it take you? Poof,
2: blimey, it's a long, long time. Yeah. It's it's okay now, but
1: about two weeks. Well, yeah. Full of admiration. Yeah. Are
3: we can't we can, uh, can say one thing according to Eddie Jones that James Haskell isn't fit enough to start
1: yet we can say that
3: so he will be on the bench he's had an important role he addressed the squad on Monday about what it takes to win the millennium or the principality having won there twice and lost there four times can I just uh, go back to that Cardiff thing
2: you just said Um, Eddie um, came out last week and said, we must not be frightened about playing at Millennium Stadium. He then did it the day after, the day after that, and the day after that. So ensuring anyone who wasn't frightened at the time will now be completely petrified because the people who never even thought about it will now be thinking, God, we've
1: got to go to the sorry, Principality Stadium. Oh, I I just wonder if he's just if he's if he every time he says that in public he's going back to the team and laughing about it and saying oh they all think we're scared about about Cardiff but you boys aren't aren't you so I don't know the, the Eddie's psychology sometimes he tries too hard to work on that I think yeah mm-hmm. yeah totally the, the other very 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 significant um item of news for the week uh was um uh from Johannesburg on um Monday morning the news that Jus van der Westhazen uh, the former Springbok Scrum pass away age 45 uh, we all saw him play I, I've, he was one of the first players that, that when I started reporting that I just thought was absolutely magnificent um, uh, as a personality was kind of hard to uh, he, he kept him, himself to himself and, and the, it, I don't know if I ever knew a player with such self-belief as he did, uh, as he had. Um, he, he was he he was one of the he was one of the all-time greats, wasn't he?
3: Well, I, I would say yes. I mean, Gareth Edwards, what a scrum half he was. But of of all the scrum halves who I've seen either live or, or on television, Yusuf found of season was was head and shoulders above any others. I was just I admired so much his that, that confidence was, when he, he's one of those players when he's on your team. You just relished someone with that bravado as a as an opponent he was a nightmare for for anyone to play against just incredible physique great athleticism wonderful skills um uh there, there had not been many to, to challenge that that position i don't think since for dupree was a it was a fine scrum half for of south africa but um yeah, Van der Veste is an incredible player, and then as he as he talked about the, the sort of the second challenge of his of his life, to be an inspiration for uh, for millions as he tried to raise money for motor neuron disease.
2: Yeah, I think that um, I mean of the two, we're talking purely rugby terms now. I think Fury was was the better player. Houston was a magnificent athlete, as Alex said. Uh, obviously, your South African friends would say he's also a controversial figure, but um, mm-hmm. what well, is it? I'm in no doubt at all. Is the awful savagery of, of, of motor neurone disease, um, and uh, the fact that he chose not to be helpless in the face of it, but to take it on at every at every turn, and uh, what a magnificent battle that
1: he fought. So um, uh, there are some games coming up this weekend. We'll talk about them. Uh, I think two of them are belters. Uh, first game is a uh, Italy Island. Uh, c- can anyone? really see Ireland failing to win a game they should win twice in a row uh, Joe Schmidt will just be fuming after last weekend, they should never have done that um, it is, it, they won't lose to Italy will they? No they won't and it's, it's not the time to play uh, Ireland either especially
2: where the, uh, from the day we're talking today it looks like here may not may not make it mm. so I think Connor will have a good uh, three or four days with the team he was quite right in complaining about the referee and yeah. Uh, totally right, I mean the way that The ref spoke to both teams was markedly Different, but I mean it, it, I would say Now if you offered Italy 40 They might take it
3: Especially if they haven't got Parise say, who Could quite easily in, I don't know, 5 of the last 10 years Been my world player of the year, I mean he's just Phenomenal, and if he's not on the field Then any small chance Is, is a zero chance no,
1: for me Exactly, mm. exactly That uh, Conro Shea positivity graph is a. you will never do it, will it? He's always he's always proud of the boys. Yeah. Um uh, the, the, then um then the uh the the Cardiff clash that we just mentioned, uh, Wales, England, um obviously two two teams at one. Uh I think I just think that's just a, a, a cracking contest. Um England I don't think they should make changes apart from I would bring in James Haskell. Um, but as Alex mentioned They, they won't do Because they don't think He's quite fit enough
3: Well they say they won't do I'm not necessarily sure I... Alright so
1: completely... by the time You hear this podcast It'll be starting In every position Well going.
3: Ellie said on Monday That he's not fit enough To start um, By Friday morning
1: mm. Who knows? Steve uh, Sam Davis Or Dan Bigger at 10 Absolutely No
2: doubt whatsoever you, you think All week about Playing the youngster Then you play Dan Bigger <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't Absolutely No Dan Bigger Is not on Beyond great form He's a big game player He was the dominant figure When Wales had, In the World Cup campaign where they they're actually rather unlucky Because they had 47 centres out Dan Bigger Will be there On Saturday No question
1: whatsoever Even though When Wales started playing well It was because They had Sam in there instead they did have him, but the thing is,
2: you've got to be careful with this replacements thing. As at Twickenham, games change in the last 20 minutes. Is it the people who come on, or did the game change anyway? Did it open up? And I'm afraid that, you know, the, the tough part is the first 60. That's when you want your big match player. I've got a lot of time for Dan Bigger. I think he'd be a lion. He's far more durable than Johnny Sexton, and I think that Dan will be an important lion.
1: Can you see Wales winning that? I mean, I, I ask that question as, as if it would be a great surprise if they did. I, I think um, I, th- I still think England have got too much. I think Wales are, are uh, a, a team that, that, that's uh, uh, in transition uh, too much still to, to be ready for, uh, for for the challenge of England. I think um, the,
2: the, I think the, there's one the, the big thing that we don't know is Wales basically because we know that England will almost certainly improve and play really play really well. I don't think they have any problem with the stadium. Wales have got the ability to beat them, but the likes of Jonathan Davis, George North, uh, Lee Halfpenny, Dan Bigger, Rhys Webb, um, uh, uh, not played anywhere remotely, remotely as well as they can. Now, they've all got big games in them, but I think it's probably too much to expect that they're all going to find form on the same day.
1: Um, or, you didn't even mention Liam Williams you see when you when you list off the names like that you've got you've almost got a Lions back line in, in potential well, you, well, you, you, well in potential yeah but some of the potential was sort
2: of in the future in the past If uh, yeah. that's not a contradiction in terms but um, Falato it, it is massive I would certainly not in any way think that the Lions number 8 test jersey is, is Billy Vunapolis. der is a magnificent player he's the best player in the position Wales have ever had including including Mervyn Davis also Luke Charteris, I've been banging the drum for him for ages, mm. is also a great player when he's on form um, so Wales have a team there to beat England but providing they're all on form and it's too much to expect that they will be and, and finally Owen, I'm really really disappointed with the Welsh front row with, with Adam Jones' scrummaging and Getting Jenkins' brilliance around the field, these guys were really, really poor uh, non-assertive uh, didn't see them in the loose, they didn't dominate in the scrum, and I think that uh, those up front Wales are not good enough. So, I'm thinking England by uh, possibly nine or ten. Yeah,
3: I are, they, are they caught between two stalls at the moment? The kind of the Gatlin way, and then that Howley thinking he, he wants feeling the pressure to do something different, but hasn't quite created a, a Style or a game plan that
1: I think they are caught between two stools. I mean, I think they're they trying to change, but, but but Steve just mentioned the front row. For me, that's mm. when you compare where they were sort of four years ago when they were winning this a, a grand slam to now. I think that is for me is the biggest change. Despite however you want to play the game, or playing, I think that that front row, which were so competitive, is uh, is the, the biggest change. In well,
2: you go and ask Gloucester players about Hibbard. I, I spoke to. Uh, a Gloucester player who's played th- over 300 games on the loose head for Gloucester, and not naming him, but um, you'd probably guess. But he's just full of admiration for Hibbard, and it's ridiculous. He's not th- that he was kicked out. He's he's he can do everything. Al- also, um, I'm afraid that Wales have been allowed, to, been conned by basically the rest of the world. This Gatland, Gatland, um, Warren ball stuff. People, it was as if Warren was the or Wales were the only team playing in that style. Apart from the All Blacks, everybody else was playing exactly the same style. And this Warren ball thing—it was almost like you know they were playing old-fashioned rugby, which they weren't. And they've caught—they've caught between uh, two styles when they never had to be in a rugby match. What you do is you look at the opposition, the weather, the climate, the state of the game, and you play whatever rugby is going to get you over the line. And you know, Wales have got intuitive, natural talent in the team. So you just take what it comes. You don't say, "Right, boys, it's 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 Saturday. We'll do Warren ball today, and we'll do um, Howley ball next week." It's rubbish. And and Warren got so much stick for that, which he didn't deserve. It's just the way, the, just the way that everybody else played.
1: Well, no one asked Jamie Roberts, did they? I mean, I think he he, he worked out his best team, and and and. The game was constructed around them. But Jamie's not the dominant force that he was four years ago either
2: no no he's not he's not and Jamie Jamie's well down in his game I'm, I'm sure he knows that you know I think I think that all the clashing stuff in his career and life are, are coming together now but it's it's still rather than it's the, the 12 going up the middle it's still the easiest way to make fastball out of, the of slow ball that there is it's better than going around the corner 47 times in mini rucks. yeah Eddie and, James
1: uh, is still he's still desperate to, to find as 12 to do that well, the whole Ben Teo
2: it's almost like do you remember anyone remember Charles Kent donkeys years ago if you take it up the middle get over the game line your team knows what's going, to, know what's going to happen so he's not going to be sealed off then off you go easy
3: how different would England be now if Manu had been fit for the last two years because he was the man Eddie Jones when he got the job wanted at inside centre so they, England wouldn't have the forward foul combination having played the last eighty months they'd have had Manu to a there and, that's a very very
2: good question and you know they, I don't think they would be where they are now because I still don't think they have, no one's ever sorted out what to do with Manu I think they're better off as they were but having said that about a crash up the middle but just get one
1: guy over the gain line and off you go uh, f- Final game uh, obviously it, it's a, that's a wonderful game as well France-Scotland on, um, on the Sunday Um do, arguably, France could feel emboldened by their performance on Saturday. They, 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 they brought the contest to, to to within three points. They competed, um, uh, and I think they will also know there's a game. A game they could have won. There's a cu- couple of passes that short short of a second try. And um, uh, conversely, uh, well, Scotland do win, and and uh, uh, and their confidence will be massively up as well. I find that the, the, the hardest one to call of the three.
3: It's a tough one to call, but I think as a neutral spectator, it's one of the most exciting because mm. Scotland are a, are a team, a resurgent team with so many players that you want to you want to see, can they keep fulfilling? You know They're, they're doing it with Glasgow, who have done great things in Europe. Scotland had a wonderful start and they've got players who you want to tune in next, next weekend to see, can Finn Russell do it again? Can Xander Ferguson do it against the big French front row? Um, can Dunbar and, and Jones do it against uh, the French midfield? I, I can just think Scott it's, Hogg,
1: Sir Stuart Hogg tackle as well as he can as well as he can run. I mean, that's uh, that's the French will test him on that. Yeah, they,
3: no, they will. And I, I think um, it's a it's a tough one to call, but it's a really exciting game. That one
2: just fabulous. And what's so nice for Sunday newspaper men is we can just sit in our front rooms and <laughs> and watch it. I think it's fantastic. I think I think the inclination is to say France will win it, but. The ment in the mental makeup of it, it's a heck of a different thing. Going to going to going to Twickenham, and saying right, we're underdogs, boys. We're going to give it to the English, and we're going to see how we go and get a, just batter. Then suddenly you're at home and you've got to win to save your season. If France lose that, then they've lost two. So very very tight. I do fancy France, but you know, there, there is, if if Scotland can kick on, they're definitely definitely not out of it.
1: Uh, Alex, thanks very much. Steve, thanks very much. Pleasure. Uh, we nailed that, didn't we? yeah okay well i thought i did